And by the way, did you notice Loki's little pickpocket thing? I tried looking for it on the third watch. He does it so quickly, I can't see it. Okay, I saw it. It's very subtle, but it's mm-hmm. there. So that's nice. The attention to detail is good. Yeah, I did not notice. Who knows? Perhaps in another life, Mr. Hiddleston was pickpocket on the streets of London. <laughs> <laughs> Just for kicks, because I'm sure he didn't need the money at any point. He'd probably apologize after pickpocketing them. <laughs> Can't argue with that. Welcome to the Marvelous Madams Podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams, assemble. Well, that line takes a whole new meaning this episode, doesn't it? Oh boy, does it ever. Mm-hmm. I was not in any way prepared for this show. Yeah, we are never prepared. That's just Marvel. Yeah, this went in a direction that I was not expecting at mm-hmm. all. And despite the fact that I was expecting this show to be great, I was still absolutely blown away. Yeah, it was really good. And I feel like Marvel is basically putting the entire cast through therapy in the various shows. It is fantastic. This deconstruction, this introspection on a character who's desperately needed it for so Mm -hmm. long. And it's clear that Kate Heron, who is directing this show, truly is the Loki superfan that she claims to be. Yeah, I agree. You can see that this is a labor of love. On all parts. Mm -hmm. There's so much to discuss here, and we are going to get into it all, people. As soon as this episode was over, I was like, oh man, we're going to be recording for three hours. It's going to (sighs) happen. Yeah, there goes my sleep again. (laughs) So I think the biggest takeaway from this episode, though, more so than the other two shows is, and I will never learn my lesson from this. I've learned certain lessons from WandaVision, but I'll never learn this lesson. And that's never trust a Marvel trailer. (laughs) I kept telling you. I kept telling you over and over. Yes, mother. (laughs) But what's great is it was even better than the trailers and clips led us to believe. I had no idea I would be laughing as much and as hard as as I did. And nor was I expecting such a gut punch at the end. Yeah, it was certainly funny. And I and you can certainly see that Tom is having a good time yes. doing the stupidity. He is off his leash. And that's the way it needed to be. Mm hmm. And I am also so excited because the tinfoil hat will not be coming out during this series, people. But you know what I'm putting on right now? What? My true crime cap. (laughs) Give it some time. I have a feeling the tinfoil hat is going to come out because I'm kind of getting some theories. Stop it. Stop it. No. 
We made a pact after WandaVision. We will speculate, but not wildly so. We have an obligation to our own sanity. Yes, yeah, so I'm on the speculation side, but I'm kind of excited with some some things that they said. Uh-huh. I'm all like, grabby, grabby, give me, tell me, yes, I want to know more. Yes, and uh, head writer Michael Waldron, just put those goddamn breadcrumbs back in your pocket, buddy. You're killing me. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, quite a few hints, quite a few questions, theories, and some therapy in this episode. Therapy in the form of one of the most masterful interrogations. I've ever Mm -hmm. seen, and we will dive into that. Also, I want to say right up top, more so than the other shows, the music here enhanced this show incredibly. It almost felt operatic with that score. Yeah, the music is playing such a huge part in setting the tone of the show, even though the script itself is jumping from various different tones. We have funny, we have serious, we have sad, but the music is bringing it all together. Yes, Natalie Holt is an absolute genius. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So let's dive in, shall we? Because we've got a lot to cover. Sure. So I was thrilled that the intro picked up exactly where we left off with Loki in Endgame. Or rather, the Avengers. Yeah. As soon as we start the episode, we hear the Avengers music. I was like, ha, this is nice. It was the absolute perfect way to just remind us of where Loki is right at this moment. And yes, it's been quite the day. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. So we start off from in 2012, New York. We have a similar scene with a few little tidbits changed from Endgame. And Loki's taken the Tesseract and he's teleported out of there. And he lands in Mongolia, in the Gobi Desert. Well, in between, oh, the title card, that Marvel title card with that music in the green. Oh my God, I was cheering on my couch. Yeah, that had to hurt coming through that wormhole. Yeah. And he didn't even have an entire Iron Man suit on him. Yes. And this is a guy who's just been Hulk smashed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I'm surprised that he got up that quickly and managed to find a little rock to stand on. (laughs) Leave it to him, if anybody. Yeah. (laughs) Now, one thing I learned from watching uh, the press tour in recent days is that So this costume he's wearing, I just assumed, you know, it's a new replica costume that they made. Turns out it is not. That is Mm -hmm. the original Loki costume from 2012. And Hiddleston said he was just relieved that it still fit. And as a nerd, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And as a woman, I was like, shut the fuck up, Tom. Just (laughs) shut right the fuck up. Yeah. It's pretty awesome, actually, that they use the same costume. I'm surprised they still have it. Oh, I'm not. Those things are, those things cost a fortune. I'm pretty sure some of them are in museums. Yes. I actually saw an exhibition pre-COVID for the Marvel costumes and stuff like that. I just thought that maybe they would have auctioned it off or something. These things can go for a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 
So this scene is very reminiscent of Tony escaping the cave in Iron Man. Yes, but very different circumstances. Definitely. So we are thrown Mm -hmm. right into this. I think it is great. And the first indication of what things are going to be like from now on for Loki is these indigenous peoples coming upon him and not knowing or caring who he is. Yeah, because at that point he had just attacked New York. It's been like a day or two and these people are in the middle of nowhere. Why would they know who he is? And he's just a weirdo wearing funky clothes. Exactly. And I thought this was fun because normally, historically, when white men show up in places and try to take over the indigenous peoples, they succeed. Not the case here. Yeah. Good. Yeah, that was nice. Hmm. But you can also see the defensiveness from the Mongolians. Like, who are you and why are you at, why have you come to our home? Of course. Yeah. And we are met immediately with our 2012 Loki, who is full of arrogance and entitlement. Yes. Like, he doesn't give a shit who these people are as long as he can, he can just spout his spiel and just <laughs> say, I'm here for glorious purpose and yada 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 and they don't give two shits about him nope and that is when we are introduced to the Minutemen of the TVA yes this is a cool entrance it kind of is yeah they come in don't give two shits about him interrupt him rather rudely (laughs) you don't interrupt a man's soliloquy how dare you (laughs) and arrest him it's just great these doors they conjure are amazing and yeah yeah he just does a great job here it's been a very long day as if he's just run a lot of errands you know (laughs) yeah yeah i i feel him it's been a long day for me as well (laughs) and he thinks he can so easily get out of this but Hunter B-15, who's played by the incredible Wunmi Musaku, who I can't wait to see more of, makes mm-hmm. it very clear. No, no, no. I've got the upper hand here, buddy. Yeah, because he has no idea who they are and what they're capable of. And I think she kind of relished whacking him and telling him that you're going at 116 speed, but you can feel the pain in real time. Oh, yes. Relish is the word. Her reactions in this episode are priceless. Yeah, she is just so done with his bullshit and she just met him two seconds ago. Well, I think there's more to it than that. I think she's holding a grudge. I think this is more personal for her because as we're going to find out, they've been hunting a Loki variant. So I think this is her maybe taking out some frustrations on a different variant. That's a good point. Yes. And possibly she's lost some colleagues to this other variant. Yes. Yeah. So she takes out her, uh, shall we say, magical nightstick? What would you like to call that? I was going to go with stick, but okay. Her nightstick. Yeah, magical wouldn't work because no magic, right? Yeah. So as soon as it's clear Loki is not going to go quietly, she just takes out her nightstick and cracks him in the face (laughs) and this animation was pretty hilarious yes yes immediately (laughs) collars him to neutralize his powers 
And then something else has to be done here, which I have some questions about. Right. They need to reset the timeline. Uh-huh. All we see is this is this little device that looks kind of like an hourglass. And the hunter sets it down. We see some magical purple vapor. We don't see what happens, but we see concern and confusion on the faces of the Mongolians. And we see kind of horror on Loki's face. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is happening here? Yeah, well, for the Mongolians to be confused, it makes sense because this weirdo shows up and then magic door and again another bunch of weird people in black do their own bullshit. And this other thing, this test tube thing is kept there. They're bound to be confused. That's understandable. As for what the resetting does, I think that's purposely left open to interpretation. I don't think it's anything good if it's enough to scare Loki. Maybe they are going back in time those few minutes so that what happened didn't happen. I don't know. But I'm thinking something worse to scare a guy who just finished murdering thousands of people. Maybe. I hope not, because aren't they supposed to maintain the timeline? If they murder these people, then it's changing the sacred timeline, isn't it? Yeah, something tells me the TVA has an awful lot of exceptions to their rules when it comes to themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe. As most fascist organizations do. I said it, I'll keep saying it. We'll go deeper into that in a bit. Not a fan of the TVA. Of course you're not. <laughs> and off to the TVA we go. Yes, we do. And we are bombarded with orange everywhere. With the 70s everywhere was my feeling. Yeah, the 70s and the 80s because of the technology. Yes, did you catch the scroll at the front desk in his tracksuit? No, I didn't. Oh, I can only assume being in said tracksuit, he was taken from somewhere in New Jersey. Okay. Oh. <laughs> you sound so disappointed. I am. So Hunter B-15 arrives with her prisoner, whose first instinct is to comically attempt to escape. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, he didn't try to do that with the Avengers. <laughs> this reminded me of, I've said it before, I'll say it again. My crazy dog, my little maniac, when she knows I'm about to put her in her crate and she thinks she can run around the living room and evade me. <laughs> and my reaction is much like Hunter B-15's of, where do you think you're going? Where do you think you're yeah. going to go? <laughs> I've got the power here. In my case, I'm just bigger than her. In this case, she's got a time twister. Right. Loki's feeble escape attempt here tells us that he does not yet understand or appreciate the power of this place. No, it takes him a while to really get the hang of it. Yeah, and all of these time-lapse effects are fantastic. Yeah, they do a good job. Not only just the visual effect itself, but the sound design that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. And... Got to keep cracking away at this ego here. So Hunter B-15 hands over the Tesseract like it's just a piece of glass to Casey. Yes. And if you notice, as soon as they enter the TVA, 
the glow of the Tesseract reduces. Yeah, and everybody at the TVA can touch it just fine. As was Hunter V-15 able to. Uh-huh. Let's just call her Hunter, shall we? Sure. All right. Even on Earth, she picked it up, no problem. Yeah, and she is just more than happy to wipe that smirk off of Loki's face. Yes. So she hands the Tesseract in and sends him off for processing. (laughs) Into the elevator we go. (laughs) Yes. Or what we assume to be a regular elevator. Yes, nothing like getting laughed at by a robot at the end of a long day, huh? Yeah, and the smirk on the robot's face, just (laughs) adding insult to injury. (laughs) It's like, hey, you know what, buddy? Maybe you should realize you've got bigger problems than somebody poking at your leather right now. (laughs) So when we see this robot for the first time, I couldn't help but remember Codsworth from Fallout 4. So for those of you who don't know, Fallout 4 is a game, and... We have Codsworth, who is a robot, kind of similar looking to this guy, minus the screen. And he is, he does all the housework before shit hits the fan. And I'm not going to say anything more because spoilers for the game. Oh, wow. It never occurred to me there could be spoilers for a video game. Are you serious? Yeah. Why would I know that? It's a story. Any story can have spoilers. Just never thought about it. Okay. So this robot's job is to literally start stripping Loki of his entire identity. Yes. So when he tries to poke at him and try to take stuff off, Loki, as expected, throws a fit. And the robot, it doesn't have time for all his bullshit and just done. Yep. Just going to vaporize those clothes. Yep. That works. Does the job, right? It certainly does. Thank you, robot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh huh. On behalf of every straight woman watching the show. And some gay men. Well, I say on behalf of because I am a straight woman, not a gay man. Okay. All right. I am speaking for my community. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> uh,. Otherwise known as the crazy community. Well, this is important. It's similar to Captain America, the first Avenger, where Mm -hmm. it was important for us to see Steve's physical transformation after the serum. And here it's important for the story that we understand Loki is being stripped in every way of his identity. Now, is Marvel also pandering a little bit? Of course they are. And I thank them for it. But it still, it it works for the story. It does. And I think that they towed the line well, because if they were blatantly pandering, he would have been naked a lot more. Yes. And, well, who knows what happens in the other episodes. So this is more foreshadowing, that we are going to see this character vulnerable in ways we've never seen before. Yeah, and it, and it's a big deal for him to be stripped of his imposing costume and then just put in this this nondescript jumpsuit like he's nobody. Yes, they've taken away his physical armor and Mobius is going to work on the emotional armor. Yeah, they're basically breaking him down 
with the intention of using him the way they want to. Right. At least that's what Mobius's plan is. But in reality, the TVA doesn't look at him as an individual. If you notice, they never call him by his name. They only call him a variant. Judge Renslayer does. Yes, only for the judgment part. Yes. But the rest of the time, You're it's right. always variant. You're right. Unless it's Mobius who's speaking to Loki himself. Yeah, that's true. If you look at the overall attitude towards Loki or even the other dude who was throwing a hissy fit, they don't see them as people, as as living entities. They're just bringing in the cattle and in kind of, in a way, using that stick as a prod to kill them. Whereas other people use the stick to harm the cattle, to torture them. You're right. Yep. Although in the TVA's defense... I would have totally used the melt stick on that asshole too. Yeah, well, he's the son of a Goldman and Sachs board member. He kind of deserves it, even though we don't know what he's done. He does. And I'm also influenced by the fact that I'm rereading Order of the Phoenix right now. And I have Draco Malfoy in my head. So, buddy, get the fuck out. Anyway. (laughs) So, Loki goes from one elevator here to down to another elevator. We're just dropping him right down. And this cat is adorable. Yeah, true. And I'm not a cat person. Yes, I'm fully aware I have a cat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I know this. I tried to not have a cat, but she was having none of it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a cat. Yeah, I seem to have a warmer reaction when I see her on screen than you do when she (laughs) she pops in. And I do not like cats. Well, that's because you don't have to clean up her poo when she smears it on the couch. That's true. Yes. This scene is fantastic. All of these bureaucrats, the casting on this show down to the smallest level is perfect. Mm -hmm. This crazy cat guy with his weird cat mug bringing his cat to work brings so much character to this. Yeah. You know, this actually kind of reminded me of The Good Place. In The Good Place... Spoilers, we end up in the good place and the bad place. And there's this one dude who is kind of like uh, the gatekeeper. And he is in charge of letting you get in and out of Earth and back to the other place. And this guy has an obsession with frogs. So anytime anyone would pop in or out, they would give him something related to a frog whether it were a keychain or a mug or a soft toy, anything. So this guy kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. And so this is the, you know, clip we had seen earlier of he's got this huge stack of papers that is everything Loki's ever said. And he has to Mm -hmm. sign and verify this. Did you see the way he signed his name? Yeah, like a child. (laughs) Just defiantly in big all caps letters in his face after signing this, the sulk, I was dying laughing. (laughs) So once Loki's done signing his life away here. We drop down again. We do. And this portion of the TVA reminded me more of the TSA. I agree. He is so off balance and shaking already. I was absolutely cracking up. I was a robot and didn't know it. Yeah, that's actually kind of interesting because this is kind of telling us that Loki 
is not the kind of person who gets very introspective. No. I'm not saying that he uh, would be introspecting on the fact that he's a robot or not, but the fact that he's so confused about it, it's, it's interesting. Yes. Well, to be fair, if I knew that there was the potential for being melted from the inside out, I'd think about it for half a second too. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. And also we need to keep in mind that at this point, he had just found out a little while ago that he wasn't actually as guardian. True. So that paranoia makes sense to a certain extent. It does. You're right. Yeah. So this isn't exactly an x-ray that Loki is going through. It is temporal aura photography. Yeah, but it doesn't look like an x-ray machine. It looks more like the metal detection machine. And did you notice the re- the black scorch marks within the machine? Yes. Yeah, so clearly the reason the person is there to confirm that he's not a robot is because things have gone a bit... Amiss. Topsy-turvy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering if this... Uh, temporal aura photo is that like the equivalent of dna for shapeshifters is that how they always know who they're really dealing with no matter what they appear to look like or is it the equivalent of dna for everyone because variant even non-magical variants who can't shapeshift will have a distinct aura Mm -hmm. I think that's going to come back. I think that's going to be a very interesting little faux science-y part of this. Probably. But I think that's a normal procedure for everyone. And that's why robots who don't have souls get melted. Makes sense. (gasps) Vision! Stay away, Vision. Stay away from the TVA, buddy. Yeah, Vision, don't try to do something and make sure you're you're on time to work every day. You know what? Just to be on the safe side, Bucky, you too. Anybody else with uh, metal parts? Well, at least he can take it off, right? True. And now we've got to head over to the little waiting room. Yes, with... Mr. Goldman Sachs. Yes. And we also have those um, Q line divider thingies what do you call them yeah it's like they're at the dmv you know you take your ticket yeah and that kind of i don't know made me nostalgic oh no that made me want to burn that place (laughs) you see it's been so long since i've been anywhere that the getting through the metal detector and then going in a line in you know taking a ticket and then going through that windy line to get to a counter it made me miss life oh god i don't even know what to say to that (laughs) yes i'm pathetic i know thank you well speaking of pathetic get back to loki (laughs) because there's a lot of that going on yep and hiddleston just plays this perfectly watching mr goldman sachs and then coming upon Miss Minutes. Yes. And this felt very Jurassic Park to me. How so? When Sam Neill and Laura Dern first get to the island and John Hammond brings them into the facility, 
they go through that whole animated video of how the DNA extraction process works and everything. And it's very clever exposition. And Mm -hmm. I feel like it's the same thing here. Miss Minutes gives us a thorough, quick, and adorable little explanation of what the TVA is, how it works, what happens to the prisoners. It's all very efficient. This entire episode is so great at giving us exposition in a very entertaining way. Yeah, absolutely. But I would not go so far as to say as adorable. It had a creepy vibe to it. Oh, she's 100% creepy because she's adorable. That adds to the creep factor. And why the hell is she Southern? That's an excellent question. Like a Southern Belle. I mean... I was thinking about that of like, were they trying to choose an accent that would sound the most annoying? But that's a subjective thing. It's certainly not the most annoying American accent for me. I'd have to go to Boston for that. And I'm fully aware (laughs) of what I sound like. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to be fair, when I watched... Uh, the Simpsons episode and they went to Boston and a couple of people were speaking, you know, in a Bostonian accent. It reminded me of you. I'm going to pretend you didn't just say that. (laughs) I've never stepped foot on your continent and I still know I should not compare New Jersey and Boston ever. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk about this video for a second. Number one, I loved the animation of it. It's very Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of the Jetsons. Yeah, the Jetsons and the Flintstones for sure. Yeah, and also it's very dated, the animation, as Mm -hmm. is the rest of the TVA. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're stuck. Yeah, it's almost like time works differently at the TVA. Yeah, so is it slow? Yeah. So Miss Minutes explains that Loki taking the Tesseract created a nexus event that could lead mm-hmm. to another multiversal war. Right. So, so basically, timelines got out of control way back when, and the timekeepers came along to, quote, reorganize the multiverse into a single timeline. I don't like that word. Well, yes, and the fact that it's called The sacred timeline Mm -hmm. is a bit iffy. Yeah, that sounds very propagandish. Yeah, so who the fuck are they to make the decision of what is sacred and what isn't? Exactly, and what constitutes the proper flow of time. Right. And did you also see at the bottom of the video the producer? No. It said the TVA Narrative Commission. Ooh, if that's not the name of an old Nazi department, I don't know what is. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. And also, if you notice the animation, when the Nexus event happens, first off, they say that you could have started a revolution or simply been late for work. Uh Uh-huh. So just how much are they controlling? Exactly. And... We are clearly led to believe that anyone who comes through the TVA who's a variant ends up dying, right? Yes. Lots to mine here. Yeah, so being late for work equals dying in the TVA is a bit harsh. Unless it's supposed to happen. Unless it's sanctioned. 
Yeah, that doesn't sit quite right, Mm-mm. doesn't it? No, it does not. I don't have issues mm-hmm. with authority. No. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. And also in the animation, did you notice that when we see this variant go do his own thing and the TVA comes in, takes him away, Miss Minutes says that they reset the timeline, but we don't actually see what happens. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're keeping that little detail to themselves. Yeah, just like we don't see it in reality. So Loki is utterly unimpressed with Miss Minutes. Shocking. I agree. I, I kind of understand. Yeah, he thinks it's all nonsense until he sees Mr. Goldman Sachs vaporized in front of his eyes. And I find that effect a bit interesting. Uh-huh. That happens with him. It is. I've never seen anything quite like it. Yeah, exactly. So normally when you have someone who's vaporized, we have a lot more fiery elements to it uh, with a little bit of ash effect. Mm-hmm. Whereas this effect seemed more stardustish. Mm-hmm. So is he being burnt? Or yeah, like is what's he... happening to him physically? Yeah, yeah. Is he being completely wiped out mm-hmm. like not even space empty yeah you know? like what is this technology have and do any rules of physics that we know of even apply at this place yeah pretty much and i also noticed that while this dude was being vaporized behind the counter where the dude was sitting we have a poster that says Zero tolerance. Uh-huh. Never a good phrase. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure Loki saw that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and upon seeing Mr. Goldman Sachs vaporize it in front of him, Loki can't find his ticket fast enough. Yeah, he was a bit panicky. <laughs> yeah. You know what? This reminded me so much of this was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade after Indy throws the guy out the window on the boat. No ticket. <laughs> And everybody's just <laughs> scrambling to get their tickets out. Yeah, this actually reminded me of one time when I thought I lost my passport at the airport. But thankfully I didn't. It was just in the wrong pocket. Speaking of needing a passport, let's go to France. Yes. France 1549 specifically in Provence. Oh, you're not saying the name. Interesting. I am aware that there are two little yeah. five letters before that. No idea how to say them. So I'm just going to say Provence. (laughs) Because I'm a moron from New Jersey. And that's the best I can do. And here we get introduced to Owen Wilson. Yes. Oh, God, is he fantastic. Oh, quick disclaimer. Whenever we speak about the timekeepers, and this goes for the remaining five episodes if i refer to them as the time lords please assume i'm speaking about the timekeepers because doctor who i'm sorry (laughs) yeah i don't think you're going to be the only one with that problem yeah i've actually written time lords a couple of times in my notes and i hate myself for it so please understand (laughs) so we come upon agent mobius on an active investigation he's at a crime scene A team of Minutemen, team of the TVA uh, hunters here, were responding to a Nexus event and were murdered 
by an individual that Owen Wilson has been hunting. This is the sixth attack in one week. That they know of. That they know of, correct. Let me tighten my true crime cap here. And all of these Minutemen have been stabbed, which is consistent with the other crime scenes. I have a question of how long is a week in the TVA? That is an excellent question. Do they mean a week in timeline time in France or a TVA week? Mm Hmm. Hmm. I had not considered that. Because for one individual, presumably one individual, to go around killing so many TVA agents, wouldn't the TVA have noticed a rather large uptake in Nexus events? Mm Mm-hmm. And here's what I was thinking, coming from this, from somebody who spends way too much time listening to uh, podcasts about serial killers. A couple mm-hmm. things. One, how is one person getting the jump on all these Minutemen so that they're close enough to stab them all? You got to be up close and personal for that. Right. And stabbing. Pretty personal. Normal. Yeah, personal and also a pretty normal way of killing someone. If you're messing with time, you would be able to have other abilities, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah, so if there is some magic that they're using to get the jump on all these guys, there's a reason they're using a knife. There's a reason they're stabbing. And I think that reason is personal because that's usually the way it goes. And You use a knife, you want to see somebody die. Fair. I also think that it's probably because the hunters or the TVA agents, people in general are immune to magic because Hunter B-15 was able to pick up the Tesseract with no problem, whereas we've seen other people who've taken it and have had disastrous consequences. Mm -hmm. Like even Captain Marvel herself wasn't able to grab it in her hand. She was using the lunchbox. That's true. And I love the way Mobius surveys this crime scene. He's very calm. He's got a quiet, methodical presence about him. We learn so much about Mobius in this intro. It's fantastic. Yeah, and it is very reminiscent of the countless crime shows that we have on on TV. Mm -hmm. And unlike kids we see on those shows, I have never had so much instinctive distrust for a child as I did with this little girl. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't speak a word. Well, I think there are some reasons for that. Potentially. So Mm -hmm. Mobius is very sweet with her. Very patient. Knows how to deal with kids, clearly. And Mm -hmm. is asking her who did this. We don't know what this girl witnessed. She might be traumatized. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, all of you who are waving your Mephisto flags right now, but I'm a rain on your parade a little bit. Yes, that devil in the stained glass looks like comic Mephisto. However, let's keep in mind that this is 1549 in France. This is a very religious time. People blame the devil for everything. Yeah, you sneeze, you're the devil. Yeah, you sneeze, you're the devil, your crops go bad, it's the devil. 
or just a middle-aged woman next door who you think is a witch. Either way, you know, something devilly going on. So this could be a matter of a child just saying it's the devil because that's what adults always blame everything evil on. When I saw that stained glass thing, I just, I was that meme. Here we go again. <laughs> okay, so since Amy and I made our pact after WandaVision, we're going to shut down the Mephisto talk right now. Yes, we are. So just yesterday, Kate Heron, the director, and Michael Waldron, the head writer, said in an interview unequivocally that this is not an image of Mephisto. WandaVision had not even released yet. When they filmed this, it is purely a coincidence. Not Mephisto. This is actually a depiction of Loki. So shut it down, everybody. Cool it. <laughs> Let's not ruin the show. Yeah, I think we should all collectively learn our lessons after everything that happened with WandaVision. And, you know, on the other hand, if the kid did witness the murder, she saw what happened, she could just be projecting out of trauma. The mind does funny things and could, you know, make a picture of a monster in her mind. Yeah, and you don't know whether she even saw the person. The person could have been hooded or seen only the back of them or anything. And she just went, oh, murder equals bad equals devil. Right. Now, here's another question. And this goes to motive two is, mm -hmm. why is this little girl still alive? I think this kid was left as a calling card. And that's why she has that gum. Okay. And why is she coming out of her hiding place at the right moment to meet Mobius? Could be curiosity. You know, she's just a kid. Or she was told, hey, this man's going to come soon. Here's generally what he looks like. Make sure you talk to him. Here's some gum if you do it for me, kid. Or what if, theory time, the kid is not a kid? Yeah, Hence my instinctive distrust. <laughs> I don't know, that kid looked a little too wide-eyed for my liking. Uh-huh. And not speaking a word. Mm, no. I don't know if this is a theory or a conspiracy theory. <laughs> I don't know, but she had horror kid orphan movie vibes. I don't like her. I don't trust her. Yeah, and the teeth were a bit too blue. Mm. that's probably just to make the point that's yeah. just you know god only knows what they were putting in gum in the 80s so well that's the thing so kablooey gum actually exists but this packaging is marvel exclusive let's say and the packaging looks like it's from the 80s and there's something else that we'll get to in a bit that yeah. gets me again a bit more conspiracy like so as Mobius is sending this little girl off, one of the hunters comes over and lets him know that Loki has been apprehended. Yes. So it's quite nice for them to have these doors to pop in and pop out anytime they like. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And right here, this is the moment that really solidifies it for me right from go is that he is basically the lead detective on a serial killer case with sci-fi thrown in. Yeah, he has the exact same brown file with the picture and everything. Mm hmm Yeah. Again, stuck in the 80s. 
Now, little reference here that if this was the point, I think it's great. Of course, like everyone else who watched this episode at four o'clock in the morning, we were busy Googling Provence 1549 <laughs> afterward <laughs> and discovered that nothing of note happened at that point. There was a small war going on between France and England. But in 1510, there was a big old clock tower built in Provence that is famous to this day. Mm -hmm. And tell me, what are the odds that yesterday, the day this show premiered, was Michael J. Fox's birthday? Come on. <laughs> that was like when it was Marvin Gaye's birthday, the day the episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier came out where Sam is talking about Trouble Man. Right. Yeah. How is Marvel doing this shit? <laughs> they are very, very good at what they do. Maybe they are the TVA. Oh, God. Who the fuck knows at this point? It's too meta. I can't. <laughs> so now off we go to the courtroom with Loki. And let's take a minute to admire the incredible set design and world building on this show that we see throughout the episode. Yeah. It looks like a proper courtroom. Yeah. Except for the little thing in the center where the accused stands. But the again, the idea of having the timekeeper's faces just plastered over there, it again reminds me a lot of Nazi Germany and Cold War Russia. Yeah, and USSR with the photos of the leaders in in every government organization. To be fair, you the UK does that with the Queen as well in some places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in addition to that, we have these posters all over the place all the time with all kinds of fascist sayings on them. That's you know they sound nice and sweet, and they've got little Miss Minutes on them sometimes, but don't be fooled. Yeah, this whole Miss Minutes thing is um, is a bit much for me. I think it's supposed to be. Mm. It's supposed to make us uncomfortable. Yeah. So it was very jarring to hear him called Mr. Laufeyson. Yeah, yeah. It humanized him. It brought him down so many pegs. It's like, no, you're not Loki god of mischief here. You're not Loki of Asgard or Jotunheim, anything. You're just Mr. Laufeyson who's in court. Right. And he's not a prince. No. Yeah. And clearly, before she even says a word, you can see that Judge Ravana Renslayer has no time or patience for his crap. Agreed. She just wants to get this docket off her table. You can see the impatience and just uh, another day, another variant. But she plays him perfectly. She lets him she go. Does. Yeah. She lets him give his shtick here another soliloquy. And <laughs> that's a great line. You can smell the cologne of two Tony Starks. <laughs> yeah, so that goes to show he's a pretty smart guy. He was able to figure it out, whereas all the other idiots couldn't. Yes. Yeah, so including the Avengers themselves. Yes. And again, everybody, if you watch this episode again, watch Wonmi Musaku this whole time. Yeah. Watch her face. So mm -hmm. 
Loki thinks he can just make a deal and get out of this. Yeah, just give me a task force. I'll go take care of this for you guys. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, this is all just a misunderstanding. Yeah. And Hunter B-15 is kind of having fun with his nonsense. Uh-huh. Because she knows how this is going to end. <laughs> yep. Or at least thinks she knows at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's important to note something Judge Renslayer says to him here, because he's like, you know, it's not me you want, it's the Avengers. And she tells him, no, 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 that was supposed to happen. You escaping was not. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame him for pushing back against this. Like, why was it okay for them to do that? But I wasn't allowed to protect myself. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. And why is it okay for Steve to go back and live his life and do everything that he does and becomes an old man. Right. Isn't that a major change in the timeline? Yes. That could fuck up a lot of stuff. Totally. And this is one of the things that has always made Loki relatable and an empathetic figure. He always has a point. And I think this is the best point he's ever made of, whoa, 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 major double standard here. True. Agreed. And we do see later on why there's been a double standard. It sucks, but we see it. Yeah. And we now get more comedy gold that I never expected. Yeah. So the God of Mischief is having some performance issues. (laughs) He looked absolutely ridiculous. Yes. And I was waiting to make that joke. And well, Hunter was ready to laugh. She is just snickering because Renslayer's like, what the hell is he doing? And she's just like, <laughs> he's trying to use his powers. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's been a long day for him. You know, one gets tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're causing trouble here. I'm supposed to be good. <laughs> I'm being a good girl. I'm being good too. Uh huh. Yeah. Queen enabler over here. (laughs) So at this point, he realizes that his magic, his powers have been neutralized, and Miniman come over to restrain him because you're done, buddy. But that's it. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this part is great. He is so cowed by this, this powerlessness that he's screaming at them, but he can barely even look at Renslayer. I think he's disoriented and he's just lashing out. Yes. He's never, this version of Loki has never been in a position like this before that we know of. Yeah. And then it's Mobius to the rescue. Yes. So Mobius asks Renslayer to state the execution, if you will. Yeah. Basically. And when she tells him to come up to the bench and they have this conversation where she tells him, I think I know what you're thinking, goes to show that they have some history. They know each other and their interaction was pretty warm. Yes. So they're friends. And that's probably the only reason why she let Loki go, because it was a friend. Yeah. And there was almost like a note of pride in Mobius's voice, too. There's respect there. Yes, absolutely. And I thought this was Owen Wilson's 
best moment in the show. The smirk that he gives Loki when he says, who are you? You yeah. can just see the gears working in his head. Yeah. And also that, oh, you have no idea what you just got into. Uh-huh. The biggest takeaway for Mobius in this episode is do not underestimate this man. Mm-hmm. So the interrogation really starts the moment him and Loki look at each other. Loki's just not aware of that yet. Yeah, pretty much. So he does a great job. And this is why Owen Wilson is so perfect for this role, because he has that everyman gee whiz vibe about him. Yeah, true. So he's playing up this part of the put upon bureaucrat so well, coming across non-threatening in a very Columbo kind of way. Mm -hmm. And again, here we have this amazing world building and it's so important to the story too. And we get this haunting musical cue of Loki looking out upon the entirety of the TVA in disbelief. Yeah, this is where we start seeing that he may be realizing that this is a bigger deal than what he thought it was. Yeah, and that he is out of his depth. Yeah. This is where he really starts to feel that sense of insignificance. Mm-hmm. And the, to be fair, the world itself is fantastic. We see more of the TVA and understand more of the culture, geography, everything about the TVA in one episode of this show than we ever got of Asgard in four movies. Yeah, true. But again, we see the statues of the Time Lords, timekeepers. That's one. Yes. Holding the building up. It's, it's too propaganda-ish for me. It's making me itchy. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to. Mm-hmm. So now we head into, we'll call it the interrogation suite. It's a little nicer than a room. It's called the Time Theatre Number 25. Oh, is it? Yep. Okay. So we get a great line from Loki that sounds a lot like a certain uh, woman who has a movie coming out next month. Trust is for children and dogs. <laughs> yep. Now, based on that statement, I can tell Loki has never had a dog. Because if he did, he'd know that they are also, that yes, they can be very trusting, but they are the most suspicious little creatures on earth, which is why treats were invented. Because we have to trick them into doing so many things. So we'll just say this now. WandaVision broke our brains with all the wild speculation and the Easter eggs and all that. And we largely did it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. This show is going to break our brains with these incredibly deep themes that we've got going here of fate and free will and identity and purpose. It's going to be an intense ride. Yes, but actually, speaking of conspiracy theories. Here we go. Two things. One, we have a bit of a name drop of Nightmare. And Mobius says, that's a separate department. So... Are we talking about Nightmares or are we talking about Nightmare, the character from the comics? Because he has history with Doctor Strange. And I'm reading a comic right now, the Loki comic, 
where nightmare plays a fairly prominent role. So is the other department of the TVA involved in controlling nightmare, enabling nightmare? So personally, I think that's a reach. I'm going to say nightmare has nothing to do with it. But they said it. Yeah. And how did Dottie turn out? Hmm? Hmm? Tell me. And how did the mailman turn out? <laughs> exactly. Moving on. Okay. Uh, uh, one more thing. All right, Columbo. Well, actually, uh, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ravona Renslayer, she's a character from the comics, but her character's portrayed in a rather sexist way, which I do not appreciate, but nonetheless, she's a character. And she has a connection with Kang the Conqueror, who we know we will be seeing in Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Yes, this speculation I will allow. Thank you, my liege. (laughs) One of us has to protect the proper flow of the podcast. <laughs> the sacred podcast. <laughs> so, in the comics, Kang the Conqueror, we'll just call him Kang from now, had a crush on Ravona, and she didn't really care for him too much. So, in his infinite wisdom, he decided to kidnap the Avengers to impress her. Kind of like what Thanos did in the comics as well. And yada, 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 things happen. I'm not going to get too much into that. She eventually takes the killing blow for Kang because turns out she was in love with him after all. Aww. Yeah. But a lot of stuff happens. There are different versions of her, including one known as the terminatrix yeah so a lot of possibilities for her character yes and another thing is that one of the time keepers seems to look a lot like kang mm-hmm. so is this real time keepers or are they the time lords from doctor who it's an illusion or is this another entity pretending to be the timekeepers and Kang is one of them and he does have some timey-wimey powers. Timey-wimey, huh? Yeah, timey-wimey wibbly-bobbly. <laughs> oh, technical terms. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, our science correspondent, everyone. So yeah, so what? what is all of this? Why her? Mm-hmm. And that is just a little bit of the mystery that we have going on this show. It is glorious. I think you need to send the tinfoil hat to me now. Yeah, we've had a role reversal and it concerns me. Yes. I can't be the sane one in this relationship. Let's try that temporarily, you know, baby (laughs) steps. Okay, so now we get to the real meat of this episode, which is this interrogation scene. And Mm -hmm. this is just masterful. It is. I felt like I was watching a play. Okay. The subtlety in both of these performances, it's just incredible. And this is another great part of Owen Wilson's 
casting, he isn't what anybody would ever really call attractive. Maybe before all those broken noses, you know, he had been. His brother's the better looking of the two of them. So that everyman quality of his face is contrasted so well with a man who looks like a god, who is on billboards, who needs to be taken down a peg, you know? Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what Mobius does. He breaks him down piece by piece, so much so that I have to wonder if they actually studied any police interrogations for this. It's executed better than a lot of crime shows on TV. True, yes. They are really delving deep into Loki's psyche over here, but not going too dark. Mm -hmm. And the interplay between the two of them is fantastic. The chemistry is amazing. Yeah. When Mobius says to Loki, you're just a little pussycat. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. If looks could kill. Yeah, and also you see Loki's body language. Uh He's very uncomfortable. He doesn't even want to see the stuff that he's done, the stuff that he's lived through. Mm -hmm. He has a very difficult time looking at it, especially the scene of him in the Avengers pulling the eyeball out of the scientist. He can't look at it. Yeah. And in this writing, in this direction, I see so many influences from different things. We've talked about a couple of them. And in this one exchange we have here, when Loki says, I am smart, it just made me think of Fredo Corleone. Mm -hmm. Another character who got treated poorly by his family and just desperately wanted to be respected and loved for who he was. And this version of Loki never got that. Right, yeah. Not fully. You don't know whether he got it or not, because we don't see anything before the first Thor movie. Yes, he does feel overshadowed from by Thor, but it never seems like he's been disrespected. Just like what we saw, just like how we see Fredo treated in The Godfather and Godfather 2, there's a difference between being outright, blatantly, maliciously disrespected and being constantly undervalued. Yes, but we see this in Ragnarok where Thor and Loki have their heart to heart and Thor tells him that I always thought we'd we'd be fighting side by side. And generally that's when Loki realizes that Thor actually does care for him and he does have that bond. Right, but here's the thing. Doesn't that show that that's the first time Loki's heard something like that? Maybe in so many words, yes. But could it also be that it's Loki's own demons, his own insecurities eating at him, and which is why he, that he wasn't being able to internalize the positive, only the negative? Possibly. And, you know, this bombshell that Mobius is going to drop shortly, I think, plays into it. There's nearly a thousand years of this character's life that we don't know about. Yeah. But Mobius does. Yes. Agreed. And I think we can actually learn a lot from the way Mobius treats him. Yeah, there is a sense of familiarity from Mobius, even though he's never met this variant. And also sympathy. 
And I think that's the important part of what has Mobius seen in his life that allows him to have this sympathy. I don't know so much about the sympathy because later on, he is rather cold with him. He has to be. That's what cops do. That's what good cops do in interrogation. It's good cop, bad cop, but he's by himself. So he's got to mm-hmm. switch back and forth. It's, it's a way of keeping your quarry off balance. And it's masterful the way he does it. So how do we know whether the sympathy is a play or if being cold was a play? That's a good point. Because he's seen so much that we haven't, I'm inclined to think the sympathy was more genuine. But you're right. We don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, Mobius didn't keep him alive because he felt any kinship to him. He kept him alive to use him. That's true. Yeah. And one of the things from Loki's life that we haven't seen is that, yes, he was, according to Marvel, D.B. Cooper. <laughs> oh, I love this. What a great little interlude to break things up. Yeah. Well, I remember the first time we saw that scene in the trailer and how you lost your fucking mind. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> there was an estrogen spike across the world that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was great because it's a nice interlude for the show. It works for the story, but it's also keeping with the Cooper myth because the witnesses said he was actually very polite. Mm-hmm. Yeah true and i mean jesus the charm that is just oozing off of him in this scene even the flight attendant can't help herself yeah wasn't that part of the conspiracy that she was so charmed by him there were tons of conspiracy theories around this and this particular flight attendant when he hands her that note i'm fairly certain she was thinking that note was going to say like meet me at such and such hotel bar at this time you know actually at that time that was not uncommon Yeah, it's not like you could just give somebody your cell phone number and say, text me, you know? Yeah, and this was a problem that a lot of flight attendants had at the time, you know, with all the men being creeps. Yeah, well, in this case, didn't appear like it was a problem to her. (laughs) But he doesn't want to meet her at a bar. He's just letting her know very, very politely. I've got a bomb. Yeah. I need to know what this bet was. (laughs) I really do. It's important to know, though. This is definitely a retcon because millennials such as myself know that Matthew Lillard, Dak Shepard, and Seth Green solved the mystery of D.B. Cooper in, I believe, 2003. It was Burt Reynolds. (laughs) And Prison Break also solved it in whatever year they released. Oh, did they? Okay. Yep. Yeah, there's been a lot of solvings of said (laughs) mystery. Indeed. And through this whole mini history lesson, we see Coulson again as Loki is killing him. Now, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan in me got very excited. Yes. Because we had predicted a while ago that maybe Phil Coulson might show up in... The Loki series. Oh, God, Phil, don't step through the temporal aura machine. (laughs) Yes, please don't. But then, you know, he does have his spares, so it's fine. (laughs) With all their technology, I'm sure the TVA has 3D printers. 
question is, do they care enough to use it? I think it's entirely possible that he could show up. Yeah. Makes sense. And the fact that they focus on him and talk about him, it kind of gives me hope. I really, 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 really want to see him come back. Yes, but we will conclude that theory with the same caveat we conclude every theory with. Or are they just fucking with us? Well, yes. And to be fair, the whole Colton showing up theory is just between the two of us. It's not a widespread theory as such. Oh, there are plenty of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fans out there who want to see him come back. Is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. Oh, yeah. So after our Cooper interlude, Loki's getting pretty pissed. He goes to stand up and this is great. Just another reminder, Mobius sits him back down with the twister, back in your cage. Oh, yeah. Great line. Mm-hmm. And another, you know, little piece of unexpected comedy here just seamlessly blended into mm-hmm. the serious moments with, you know, Loki's like, oh, just standing up to make a point. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, it won't be as meaningful now. Yeah. <laughs> I half expected him to slam his fists on the table and ask for more chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah, very childlike in that yes, moment. The sulking is just hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this is Loki trying to convince himself that the TVA isn't so powerful. He can't handle the idea of them being so powerful. But Mobius knows he's getting to him. Loki is slowly losing his conviction he's his voice is starting to crack just a little bit he's getting tired yeah and he's grasping at straws Mm -hmm. i think that for loki it's not so much as the tva is so powerful it's that he is so powerless Mm -hmm. exactly and that's what's chafing at him now it's time to see the future oof yeah finally Thor the Dark World serves a purpose. (laughs) And the purpose is a woman dying. Yes. And this is what really starts to break him is seeing Frigga's murder. Yeah. And also knowing that he was indirectly the cause of it. Yes. Yeah. And Mobius just shoves that in his face. Yeah. And that's when he lashes out. Big time. Yeah. And this was um, this was a really tough one to swallow here. He tells Loki, actually, you weren't born to be a king. Your purpose, according to the TVA, it was set out for you. Your purpose was to cause pain and misery so that others could be the best versions of themselves. Yeah. He is the sacrificial lamb. Mm-hmm. And man, did this just punch me in the gut. Because, you know, anybody who does nothing but cause pain and suffering, you are and you feel what you put out into the world. So if you're doing nothing but causing pain and suffering, you're also feeling nothing but pain and suffering. Mm-hmm. And I was not in any way prepared for this yesterday (laughs) it completely upended this show for me in a good way in a painful way but good way yeah this actually had a bit of a punch for me too because 
anyone who's been in a toxic, abusive dynamic knows that there's always the black sheep in the family, you know, and their job is to be the punching bag to make the others feel better about themselves, right? That's their role. And I've been that person. So hearing that for Loki was for the first time since we've met Loki, I related to him. Yeah. And that is a credit to everybody on this team, to the deconstruction in this writing, to Hiddleston's performance, to Wilson playing off of him, just all of it. Yeah. So this, when Mobius is telling him that, he's no longer using a chisel to make a crack in Loki's armor. He took the hammer and just went all out. Yeah, because he tells him, this is the way it's always been and this is the way it has to be. Yeah. And that is why I don't think that Mobius has sympathy for him. It was all an act to reach this point. I think there's room for both. We'll see. We'll see. But based on what we've seen in this episode, the TVA does not value any of the variants. And if Mobius is looking for another Loki variant, actively hunting for him, who has killed his colleagues, why would you have sympathy for someone like that? because they're not exactly the same person we don't know True. there's so mm-hmm. much we don't know yeah true i guess we'll find out as we move forward so all throughout the episode i was seeing this fascist literature and being like uh, i don't think so but it was this moment where i was like oh honey you want to burn this place to the ground i'll bring the gas and the matches <laughs> yeah so Those of you who have listened to the show for a while have heard me mention on occasion that I live with uh, chronic illness. So I have Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome and uh, Hashimoto's disease, which is a thyroid condition. And three days ago, so two days before this show premiered, just when I was thinking, you know what? I don't need to text my therapist for a new appointment. I'm good. Doing fine. Then Monday morning, I was diagnosed with lupus which is a nasty autoimmune disease. And Monday and Tuesday passed in a kind of haze for me of going through the motions of making some treatment plan changes and lifestyle modifications, a bunch of things, and leaving me feeling kind of lost and thinking as I have in the past about my own purpose and wondering, is it my purpose to suffer and be in pain and struggle through life to help others so that I can teach or educate others and be there for people, kids maybe, you know, help others so that they don't have to suffer as I have suffered for a very long time. And Hearing Mobius tell a character who I already relate to tremendously in terms of, you know, the family dynamics and similar to what Amy was saying, I felt like I was 13 again back in a particular doctor's office, basically being told my life was over 
And that's just the way it is. And thinking, uh, no, no, I don't think so. No, fuck that. Fuck your idea of what my life is going to be. Mm -hmm. And that is what I think we're going to see with Loki. I was just on my couch thinking, oh no, no, no. Who the fuck are any of you to dictate who any of us is and gets to become? No way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a fairly universal sentiment. I can't speak for everyone. I certainly never wanted to follow the path that I was told I should follow. And this is just the way it has to be. Well, go fuck yourself. And what you mentioned about uh, a doctor telling you about your life is over. I've been through that too. And that's exactly the same reaction I had. No way. I'm not accepting this. I'm not just going to lay there and suffer for the rest of my life. Yeah. And Loki may be down right now. He's not going to stay that way. Yeah. I have never been so emotionally invested in a story as I am right now, because I am definitely going to be vicariously fighting since if I were to attempt any of the um, fight moves that we've seen in the clips and trailers, I'll be in the hospital. So not going to not going to do that. To be fair, you dropping down those two elevators to sign the papers and go through that um, metal detector thingy would be enough to put you in the hospital. That's true. I mean, you should hear my knees when I go up and down the stairs. I've heard it. It sounds painful. Yeah. Yes. yes. Not pleasant. Ugh, no. So I just cannot wait for these next five episodes to see Loki rail against this system and fight for his life. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. And I'm certainly looking forward to the TVA burning down. Mm-hmm. Magic or no magic? Yeah. I'll buy a ticket it's and watch that go. shit. Yep. But they are interrupted because there's a little emergency. Yes. Hunter arrives and the disdain is very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mobius is the only one who thinks working with Loki is a good idea. Yes. And by the way, did you notice Loki's little pickpocket thing? I tried looking for it on the third watch. He does it so quickly. I can't see it. Okay, I saw it. It's very subtle, but it's mm -hmm. there. So that's nice. The attention to detail is good. Yeah, I did not notice. Who knows? Perhaps in another life, Mr. Hiddleston was pickpocket on the streets of London. <laughs> <laughs> Just for kicks, because I'm sure he didn't need the money at any point. He'd probably apologize after pickpocketing them. <laughs> Can't argue with that. So Mobius is pissed that, you know, Hunter's interrupted them, but they've just lost another team of Minutemen. Yes. And Mobius comes in to pack Loki off till he figures shit out. But Loki's missing. That mischievous scamp. <laughs> I love it. And that's the new nickname for your cat. <laughs> She's a fat scamp. 
not a mischievous scamp. <laughs> she's kind of mischievous. I mean, she seems to find the smallest of corners to try and hide in. And jump out and scare me, yes. Although right now she is currently enjoying the luxury of my pillow. Yes. She is the true owner of your house. Now, the time twister can only do so much. Loki is still trapped inside the confines of the TVA. Yeah, so he just goes to another point in time where he already was. That's why he ends up back outside in this hallway where he had been. Then we see a poster. This one made me the most uncomfortable of all. Stable society, tidy timeline. <laughs> and I saw another poster uh, later on in the episode. One was always watching. And we had one of the timekeepers looking rather creepily down. And another one that said, Nexus events must be pruned. Oh, not a good word. Nope. 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 Mm. Yep. So, yeah, the posters are not comforting. No. So Loki finds his way into an office and comes upon Casey from the front desk. <laughs> yes. This dude is funny. He is. This is fantastic. This guy played it straight. And it's great. Hiddleston pulls this off perfectly because we can see... He doesn't want to really hurt this guy. This is all bravado. He is just crazy-eyed. Yeah. I'll cut you like a fish. Yeah. <laughs> and what? he's very off-kilter. Yes, totally. He's panicking. Yeah. And Casey just takes the wind out of his sails. How do you not know what a fish is? <laughs> you know, that's actually interesting. This dude doesn't know what a fish is. Uh-huh. And he says, I've lived my whole life behind a desk. Right. So he looks human. Yeah. But is he human? So, yeah. And what does my whole life mean? Right. And again, time, you know, timey-wimey. TVA. Yes. Well, I swear to God, Doctor Who's going to sue us. <laughs> well, you see, Casey, it's very simple. Death. Violent, painful death. <laughs> Now, would you have to explain that to somebody, it kind of loses impact, you know? Yeah, true. But here's another question. If he spent his whole life behind a desk at that kind of a job, you know, violent, painful deaths doesn't seem quite so bad. I agree. Given how I am sitting at my desk right now just for a couple hours and profusely sweating. Yeah, well, for me, it's just mind-numbingly boring. I swear to you, I had a job before I got into web design and I worked at a travel agency and I was ready to shoot myself. Yeah, and we don't know what this guy actually does. Yeah. Uh, but we do know he's got a drawer full of these pretty sparkly paperweights. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That broke me. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people pissed about that today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it kind of shat on the last 12 years. You know, I'm not ready to say that. I think there's more that we need to know first before making a judgment on that. Yeah, I agree. But this reminded me of Loki's death scene 
in Infinity War. The question was, okay, how do we show the audience without telling them outright just how powerful Thanos is? We have him snap the neck of the previous big bad, who was the Avengers' greatest villain, you know? And here, well, how do we show not just the audience, but how do we show Loki specifically just how powerful the TVA is? We show him that Infinity Stones are worthless here. Brilliant. Yeah, it makes sense. And if you notice, there are more time stones and reality stones than there are the other stones. Mm-hmm. So. Very Christmassy. <laughs> True. And also, how many people have had the time stone and fucked with it unknowingly and ended up at the TVA? Hmm. And where are they getting all these? Like, what's the source of them? Yeah. So, so if these people have these infinity stones and the sacred timeline must be maintained, then if the stones have been taken away, how does that keep the timelines intact? Mm-hmm. Hold on. I'm sorry. I need a tissue. My brain is beginning to leak out of my ears. One second. <laughs> There's just so much to unpack that I'm withholding judgment about how this affects the last 12 years. Because, I mean, look at Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's the same thing, making us look back upon the previous films in a different way, understanding consequences in a different way. It's giving us this richer, more layered story. Yeah, true. And Marvel is doing a fantastic job building upon everything that came before Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times when major characters leave that television shows and movies move move on and have different characters and different stories you don't maintain that same vibe you know something that magic tends to just go poof whereas here they're building on this stuff and keeping all the storylines intact and connected in a very interesting way Mm -hmm. but the whole infinity stones thing is um troublesome yeah and it is for loki too looking out and just saying is this the greatest power in the universe and for once before all of this he would have looked at this with greed wanting it for himself but he looks at it in a different way now feeling his own insignificance instead I don't know. I think that had he had a little more time, he probably would have started looking at it with greed. He reached the point of, oh, what I was looking at was insignificant, but he didn't have the time to process further and reach that stage of, oh, I'm going to take over this. I'm going to be the new timekeeper. Well, part of it is now he knows he's trapped too. He understands that there's no way out. For now. You know he's a trickster. He know he will find try to manipulate, trick, and do whatever he needs to to find his way, or so he thinks. He uses the twister and heads back to the interrogation room where mm-hmm. curiosity wins the day. Yes. And this for me is the most wrenching, brilliant scene in this episode. You know. I loved Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It was great. And I think Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan did a fantastic job on that show. They did. But 
I feel like Tom Hiddleston just walked into the room and said, let me show you how it's done. Mm -hmm. He just took this to another level where, you know, in America, we would say, hold my beer. But I guess in his case, he's saying, hold my cup of tea. You know? (laughs) You do know that beer exists in the UK, right? He talks about tea too much for me to not go that way instead of beer. (laughs) He brings the mockery upon himself. Okay. It's just watching a master at work here, seeing Loki reacting to his future. And they do it differently, like his makeup, than they've done in previous movies. He is just barefaced here, you know, and it reinforces this vulnerability that he's like literally naked in every way, just tears coming down. And it's when he sees his own death. Oh man, what a moment. Yeah. That I think is the time where he says, fuck this shit. Yep. As he said to Renslayer earlier, you don't get to dictate how my story ends. And she said, it's never been your story. Yeah. Oh, we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Well, now that isn't his story anymore. Right. This is another story for him. Right. So Hunter comes in to try and restrain him again, but Loki is able to get the collar off of himself and puts it onto her. Yeah. And in a small way, trying to get control back, he kind of toys with her. Yes. Like a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And a certain amount of malice there too. Oh, sure. Well, in his mind, she deserves it. Yeah. And you know what? He might not be wrong because we don't know anything really about these missions yet. We don't know what this resetting looks like. She seems like a very tough person. And I don't mean that from like a physical fighting point of view. Like earlier, Mobius said, oh, you would think everybody should be reset. And resetting doesn't sound great. So she might be on the ruthless side. We don't know. Yeah, she certainly is very militaristic get the job done kind of thing. Yeah. And he could see she was enjoying his pain. Yeah. And now that I mentioned the militaristic aspect of her, one thing I noticed about all their uniforms for the hunters is that it reminded me a lot of the Nazi uniforms from the Wolfenstein games. Yeah, that makes sense. So Loki's got nowhere to go, though. So he just stays there and... Mobius comes back to find a just broken man sitting on the floor. Yeah. Interestingly, when Mobius meets Loki for the first time and takes him to the theater, he is carrying this stick, Mm -hmm. but he never charged it. But now when he came into the room and saw Loki there, he charged it. He was ready to vaporize him. Well, I think a big part of that is because Loki's not wearing the collar. Yeah, true. And also, if he's going to be so volatile, he probably won't help them, right? Well, remember, Mobius didn't have his time twister back yet either. So that was the only weapon he had. Yeah, I agree. I'm not vilifying him for it. I'm just noticing it. Yeah. No, he had to make sure they reached a certain level of stability. Yeah. And, you know, this here is another thing that resonated for me. He's just so tired. 
Hmm. It is incredibly difficult to put on a veneer day in, day out, whatever that veneer may be. In his case, it's, you know, a sort of armor and you know, being a dick Why? to protect himself. And it's such a great little speech that he he gives about this, calling it an illusion, reinforcing those lines he said earlier. Right. But talking yeah. about himself. That also tells you that he was projecting about the TVA. But I think the important thing is he's also right. So he was hating the TVA so much because he sees himself in them, that fascism, you know? Mm-hmm. But for him, it's bravado. For him, it's a facade. For the TVA, it's not. And when he mm-hmm. says that about himself, when he calls himself a villain, that's the clue there that the TVA is the true villain because he's talking about himself synonymously with them. Yeah. And we don't know if the TVA is real or if it is a facade for something else. When I say the TVA is a facade, I don't mean necessarily like a shadow government or something for something else. I mean, their benevolence. That's what, that's how fascism always works is it's, it's a dictatorship coded in benevolence, you know? So that's what I think the facade is. Right. I'm doing this because I know what's good for you. Right. Yeah. But this just killed me. He is so tired of living like this. And man, I'm there. (laughs) I felt this so hard. There are some days, you know, Hmm. it's not in any way like a suicidal ideation. It's a matter of life is just so goddamn hard sometimes it's so much of a struggle that it's like god i'm tired of just even feeding myself at this point you know like and that's where he's at yeah i get it and a lot of us i think can relate to it after everything that's happened over the last year year and a half that's true all of these shows all three of them in some way are really tapping into what the world at large has been going through. The timing is just incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also on a smaller scale for Loki, we joke about it, but it has been a long day. He's been defeated. He's been beaten up. He's been played with. He's ended up in this completely foreign environment, completely out of his depth. And he's being bombarded by this dude with tough stuff to contemplate there's only so much one can take in a day yes mm-hmm. absolutely at least give him a juice box although he did turn down the soda from mobius yes the soda that was out of spite purely i think that he would have liked nothing more than to have something to drink but he's like no yeah true but yes the soda Here that's one thing i wanted to speak about mm-hmm so, I spoke about the Kablooey before. <laughs> You're so excited. I am. <laughs> the soda, just a soda, again, is real. It came out in 1995 and it was discontinued in 1999. So, the TVA has an 80s vibe to it. We see Kablooey, which has like this 80s kind of design to it, and just a which is from the late 1990s. Mm-hmm. 
time moves differently. Yeah. So is the TVA slow again or what? Or does Mobius really like Joss Soda and popped back into a bodega in 1996 to get himself some? So then is that approved in the sacred timeline? Good question. As we speculate wildly. (laughs) So as Loki's at rock bottom here, this is when Mobius presents him with this little opportunity. He thinks Loki is the key to helping them hunt down this dangerous variant that's been killing their Minutemen. We should mention here, this is an important note. Minutemen were the name of essentially the special forces for the colonists during the American Revolution. So these guys are the elite. I think that's important because it shows just how dangerous this variant is. Mm-hmm. So the hunters are the Minutemen? Yes. Just clarifying. So Loki doesn't understand what would they need him for. And that's when Mobius tells him, the variant we're hunting is you. Right. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And this whole dynamic I love because this reminded me of the inspiration for Silence of the Lambs. So that was, we'll say, inspired by real life events. Back in the 80s, when the cops in the Pacific Northwest were investigating the Green River Killer, it was Gary Ridgway, they actually went to visit Ted Bundy in prison and said, hey, can you help us out and give us some information? You know, it takes a monster to know a monster. Mm -hmm. And Bundy did actually give them helpful information. He told them at the time that if you want to catch this guy, you need to surveil the old crime scenes, the dump sites of these bodies, because he's going back. If you find his hunting ground, don't put it in the press. He's going back to these bodies and doing terrible things with them. He was right. The cops didn't act on it for various reasons. So it took longer to apprehend Gary Ridgway. But Bundy was right because it takes one to know one. And that's exactly Mobius's point here. And I think it's a brilliant plan on Mobius's part. It's a great opportunity. Yeah. And it also gives an opportunity to this Loki, our Loki, to essentially create his own story yes fight for his own life Mm -hmm. and find himself yes figure out who the hell he actually is and wants to be yeah and you know if he does end up burning the tva down that's okay you know that's fine yeah we'll throw him a party yeah So we end here in Salina, Oklahoma in 1858. Don't get excited, anybody. Google that one, too. Nothing of note. Mm. Yeah. Just some tiny town in Oklahoma. Yeah, the history buff in me got really excited as I was watching the show, and then I got a bit disappointed. Don't worry. We will be going to Pompeii at some point. Oh, goody. So first off, what is this thing sticking out of the ground? Something from the third millennium. I don't know. The one minute man who seems to be in charge here, he thinks it's nothing that somebody found a time machine and wants to get rich. We see you, Biff Tannen. (laughs) We see you. Alas, this is a trap for this team of minute men because that oil's on the ground for a reason. Yes. 
And we see this hooded person. Figure. On this show, we can't assume they're a person. Okay. Entity. There you go. Who has a lamp and drops said lamp. Clumsy, clumsy. Oh, yes. Slip of the hand. (laughs) And all these Minutemen get burned alive. Yeah, they were like, oh, man, fucking Kari Skoglin had John Walker decapitated guy. We got to one up them. Let's burn some people alive on Disney. (laughs) Man. Yeah. So a couple things here. I kept my true crime cap on for this reason. And I have my conspiracy one still on. Marvel are masters at misdirection. So that's something we always have to keep in the back of our minds. You need to specifically because you keep forgetting that. (sighs) So at the beginning, we saw Mobius at that crime scene. That's the variant. He's been hunting. All of those people have been stabbed. Mm -hmm. So this trap is an entirely different MO. Burning people alive is way, way different than stabbing a group of people up close. So even though we cut right to this, I do think this is the same team they're referring to, although it may not be. I think it is, but it may not be. I don't think we should assume that the murderer from the first crime scene and the murderer from this crime scene are the same person, the same individual. Okay. I, I that's don't want to make that I don't want to make that leap. Okay. You're saying that from the perspective of true crime. Yes. You know, everyone maintains their MO. But the one thing that Mobius says in the French crime scene is that they know that this is the sixth attack in the week. Mobius says that they know of. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of giving us an inkling that maybe there are variations that haven't been picked up and there actually are maybe more. And the reason why they haven't been noticed was because the MO was different. Well, for me, that would point to multiple killers rather than one constantly changing their MO. Okay, fair. That's not to say they're not working together, potentially. Or it could be the same person, just a different version. And then would that make them the same person or not? You see what we mean, people? Just leaking right out the ears. I'm done. (laughs) So if it is Loki, is it a different version of Loki who prefers burning people and another version prefers stabbing them? Perhaps. And the last thing I will say about this is I am sure that there are people analyzing the image of that hooded figure and using all kinds of science and mathematics and God knows what, trying to figure out how tall that person is. Not going to go there. Not going to do it. Yeah, well, they are certainly using the camera from a different, from a further angle and the grass is very tall. So yeah, you can't really judge specifically. And also... There were no other landmarks nearby to really gauge how mm-hmm. tall said person was. But again, could be the same person, just different shape. So very many questions. Yes. So, like I said, I have watched this episode three times. And that's it. That's your limit. I've put that rule out. Who are you to decide? 
your friend who cares for you. <laughs> we shall see. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, it may become therapeutic. That's what an addict says to themselves. <laughs> All right, so I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been hit by a bus. Yeah, I'm actually really excited with all the the theories and stuff. Yes. This is fun. I am yeah. simultaneously like emotionally drained, but also charged up on the other side of it because I cannot wait for this story. I cannot wait to watch him fight. I said to you yesterday, I have no doubt that a year from now, there will be some quote from the show on my body somewhere. Yeah. And I can't wait to watch the TVA burn. Oh, right. So it feels like forever since we have done shout outs. It felt weird just sitting back in front of the microphone today. It feels like months since we were here for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, we when we sat down to do this, I was like, are we forgetting something? Is this what we're supposed to do? Uh Do I usually have a notebook? I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. How many windows do I have open? (laughs) (laughs) So we really look forward to talking with you all of you guys about this show, too. It's yes. So to start off, Miranda and Natalie, thank you, ladies. For being there in my hour of need as we all struggle with our hormones and other issues now during this show. <laughs> Deborah, we are very proud to be your Twitter children. And we know that you're also hoping that Bucky stays out of that aura machine. Charlotte, it's been a pleasure talking with you about Loki. Stick around. We can't wait to hear what you have to say about these next few weeks. And can I just say I love your profile name lottie talkie (laughs) (laughs) talkie talkie lottie talkie rich glad you're enjoying our archive for the record i have no problem with mailman yet no that's a you problem my dear (laughs) and lastly but not least jesse It was great chatting with you about Loki's death during the Infinity War rewatch. You clearly appreciate a great story, so let us know your thoughts on the Loki premiere. And that about wraps it up. It is good to be back, everybody. Thank you to all of you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Join us next week for our discussion of Loki episode two. Yes! Burn it! In the meantime, if you have something to add, find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at Marvel Madams. And for deeper dives you won't hear on the podcast, check out our blog at themarvelousmadams.com, where Infinity Stones are a girl's best friend. What do you call it when you kill a partner? Partricide? (laughs) What do we call that? No, that's father, I think. (laughs) That's That's patricide. Yeah. Close enough. I don't know. I guess it's just homicide. You can look it up if you like, and then, you know, you could be on a list after that. Oh, I'm on a fucking list already. Let's not (laughs) kid ourselves. I'm on several lists. Yeah, well, like we said in the Thor episode, I think you have the restraining order just kept ready, waiting. Make a move, and it goes.